Hey folks, this is Trains Live, the Trains.com podcast. In this episode, I sit down with Trains Magazine passenger correspondent Bob Johnston to talk all about Amtrak, the past, the present, and the future. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a Trains.com unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of Trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive routing news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to Trains Live. I'm Bob Lettenberger, Associate Editor for Trains Magazine. We are coming to you from Studio B at Kalmbach Media Headquarters in Waukesha. Today, 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 it is Amtrak week here at Trains.com. And we have all kinds of new content on America's passenger system, Amtrak, out on Trains.com. Make sure you check that out. Uh, hashtag Amtrak Week. Look at that. You're going to see all kinds of good things. Uh, some new videos, some staff trips on Amtrak trains. If you are a modeler, a lot of nice tips out there for Amtrak modeling. Some uh, stories about Amtrak, some in my own words, personal accounts of trips along the way. So Amtrak Week, and as we said before, hey, no sharks, okay? Just Amtrak this week. So Trains, trains Live, <laughs> Trains Live. We have a correspondent for trains, Bob Johnson, who covers Amtrak for us. And he is, uh, I'm not even going to venture to guess how many miles he has traveled on Amtrak, but he probably knows more about passenger trains than what I've forgotten in my lifetime. And he is joining us today, and let's bring Bob in. Here we go, Bob Johnson, our Amtrak correspondent. He is coming to us from a comfy, cozy cabin up in Maine. Good afternoon, Bob. <laughs> Good afternoon. It's it's not really a cabin, but it's okay. uh, I'm up here in Maine, so uh, on the <laughs> road right. shooting passenger trains, and uh, you know, just uh, here's the down easter schedule for anybody ah, who's interested in that. So, <laughs> all right, uh, it's good to be with you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. So this afternoon, um, we're we're talking Amtrak, and you know, I know part of your position with us is, I mean, you you really are kind of our Amtrak watchdog, and you look and analyze and what is our passenger system doing and what could they do better and uh, you know, so on and so forth. And that's you know, great content for Newswire, which folks should check out on trains.com. But this afternoon, I think we're going to kind of celebrate Amtrak for what it is, for the, the triumphs they've had. We'll get into a couple of topics that probably get on the edge a little bit, but kind of want to pick your brain and also get folks to know you a little bit better um, as to you know your feelings about passenger trains and kind of what you like and you know why passenger trains and I think that would probably be a good place to start. What passenger trains? What what about them got you so excited that you have made a a journalistic career out of of reporting on them and especially following Amtrak? Well, what's interesting is that when I was uh little i i was uh, my father took me on a overnight train trip and i think i my first trip in the capital limited between chicago and washington dc uh when i was about five 
But one of the things that I always appreciated about uh, passenger trains is that it's got a interior space. Bob, let me let me stop you for just a moment. If you can hear me, we're having a little technical problem here in the studio, and we are there. We go. It looks like you, there we go. You're back. There How's we that? Go. We, ben, are we good? Yeah, we're good. Okay, all right. So go ahead and continue on. We've okay, got so, our technical problems. So did you care. did you hear what I was saying, or or did we miss we'll that? A recap. Yeah, just a quick recap about your your first Amtrak trip there. You were mentioning traveling on the Capital Limited, I believe. Well, that was not that's not Amtrak. That was okay. the Baltimore and Ohio. Okay. And so, so really, the standard for passenger trains for me was not established by Amtrak. It was established. Uh, when railroads competed for customers uh, for passengers. And that happened, obviously, the post-war era. Uh, I was too early for that. Uh, but the 50s, that my father introduced me to um, uh, an overnight train trip. Uh, and so these were the things that were really important, uh, that you were able to have this space on the train where you could do things that you can't do uh, where you have a seat belt and sure. <laughs> it's more than just getting from here to there. Yes. So that's the standard that I hold Amtrak to. Okay, uh, interesting. You know, now obviously you're riding a subway, that's a train, <laughs> but uh, it's a short distance and you're mm -hmm. riding a corridor train, but at least on a corridor train, you should be able to get up and go to the cafe car and do things that you can't do uh, on one of the seatbelt modes. Buses, you know, planes, cars. Sure. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that the the standard for you goes back to pre-Amtrak. And you mentioned the Capital Limited. And I'm thinking right away, Capital Limited, there was competition with the 20th Century Limited, with the Broadway Limited, um, all to get people from Washington to Chicago. And yeah, the competition was fierce and it kept the railroads on their toes. I mean, you know, it was even down to the point where uh, some folks might choose one railroad over the other because of the menu in the dining car. So a pretty, pretty special that's right. time. <laughs> You're absolutely right. And that's, so that's the thing that's interesting today is because there is not that competition, but that competition had a very important component, and that is getting passengers to repeat the trip. And sure. you can't do that if you don't have, or let's say, let's, you've got one hand behind your back if you don't have those amenities. You don't make it comfortable. And trains have an advantage uh, for that walk around space that interior, making the best of, of the interior. Their disadvantage is speed. Sure. But one of the other things that they have is also the fact that they can serve intermediate communities. And yes, I absolutely. think that is more important than ever these days. So. Do you have, you have any idea of how many miles you have traveled by passenger train? It's probably, uh, probably around 40,000, okay. I would think. All right. I mean, I'm not one of these mileage geeks. <laughs> okay. I like to ride, uh, I mean, I was just uh, in Vermont, for example, and I have not ridden the extension of the Vermonter between Burlington and Rutland, which just occurred last okay. month. And, but I did photograph it, and okay. um, 
but that's an example. I mean, I've ridden every every mile of the Amtrak system, which except for I believe Norfolk to Petersburg in Virginia, okay. sure. and uh, and uh, I've ridden to Roanoke um, and everything else I've ridden. So. Okay. And then via Rail Canada, for that matter, as well. I, I most of that, except for the the uh, Upper Quebec uh, service. So we we can easily label you an experienced traveler. So now take out of all those miles, Bob, most memorable trip that you have been on um, on Amtrak. What what was the one that stands out in your mind? What was the most memorable about it? What made it so special? I mean, I I think. It's really hard to choose. I was thinking about this before, and I, I think that the first trip that you take on uh, on a route, uh, and this was actually before Amtrak, but it was the California Zephyr route. Uh, when <laughs> I, I worked as a passenger agent for the Burlington Railroad in the summer of 67. So I was always interested in that train, and at the end of the summer, um, I used my, my pass and I rode that train. So the California Zephyr is still operating, uh, slightly different route uh, west of Salt Lake City than it operated uh, back in 1967. But I think that that's really one of the most memorable trips. And I think, but you don't have to take that that uh, grandiose trip across the country. Mm -hmm. um, depending on where you live, there are other really interesting trips people can take and one of them for example one of my favorites and uh where i've racked up a lot of miles is chicago to new orleans on the city okay. of new orleans sure um, yeah. what's great about that southbound in the morning you leave memphis and you go through the mississippi delta uh and uh you get down to jackson mississippi and then after you get alongside lake pontchartrain you go right along that into New Orleans, and it's just the proper way to get to New Orleans. <laughs> I, I, I wish, <laughs> I'm sorry, I wish that the amenities which this train once had and which were made famous by the overnight Panama Limited on the same route with the uh -huh. Illinois Central, I wish that Amtrak would see the value in this. Sure. But yeah, they for don't. They, for they've, two, dumbed, they've dumbed the train down with, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, plated meals and um, what they call flexible dining. You know, for two seconds there, I thought you were going to break into song. <laughs> when, you, when you started listing well, off the cities, <laughs> I, I thought. No, we well, I, you know, my in my previous one of my previous careers was a program director uh, of a rock radio station in Chicago. And we were the first ones to play the city of New Orleans. I wonder yeah. why that was. <laughs> uh, that was the Steve Goodman version. Yes. Yeah, exactly. That that's you know, that song, a great song, it, it, it kind of brings a tear to your eyes sometime when you really listen it to it. Yeah. So so Bob, okay. Amtrak week here on trains.com. Uh if somebody came up to you today and said, look, I, I want to take an Amtrak trip. It's something I have, I have never done before. Um, what, which train should I take? Why? What are you going to, what are you going to tell folks? 
What would be the, the, the first big thing that you would use to answer that question? I want to take my first Amtrak trip. Where do I go? How do I do it? The first question that I would ask is, is where are you? Because there's always a trip nearby that you can make the best of. I just used an example of one of those. If you're in Chicago, mm -hmm. and we talked about the California Zephyr, but if you're in New York, I would suggest the Lakeshore Limited, which okay. afternoon departure, westbound, goes up the Hudson River and across. Ooh, there is nothing, sure. even though they, they have dumbed down the food service on that train as well, uh, if you buy a sleeping car accommodation, you can sit in the Viewliner Diner, which is one of the uh, premier pieces of equipment uh, in the universe, I think. And the sleeping cars on the Eastern trains, which uh, are the uh, Lakeshore Limited, the Cardinal, which runs from New York to Chicago, another very scenic route, but does not have a Viewliner Diner. Uh, but also the Crescent from New York to New Orleans, and okay. right now the Silver Star. Those are the Eastern trains. Okay. The Western trains, I would definitely say the Coast Starlight, which was Los sure. Angeles to San Francisco, and I'm sorry, Los Angeles to Seattle. And um, those, are, I mean, it depends on where you are, and you can always find a train like that. Okay, so, so basically look in your local backyard and get on board and just go somewhere and experience it. But I would say an overnight train is really what you want to, okay. again, do something that, that you can't do anywhere else. Sure. Don't think you're on a bus. Uh, you'll bring along reading material. I guarantee you, you will find things very interesting outside <laughs> the window. Absolutely. Uh, and that's why I like the Viewliner sleeper too, um, because you can sleep on the upper berth and there's a full length window up there. Now I've, I have a special, if you uh, go on to trains.com, you will see a, there are a couple of things I've, I've talked about super liners and I've talked about view liner two sleepers, which are the new ones. And I did a little uh, critique on a, uh, coming back from Florida, doing a bright line feature, which is in the current, the September issue of trains magazine. I rode the Silver Star last year, and or earlier this year, and um, you can see exactly uh, on this trains.com feature where, why I like to ride the Viewliners. Sure, and folks, if you are looking for a Bob Johnston feature on trains.com, go into the little search window and plug in either Amtrak or Bob Johnston, and the stories that he has contributed should show up there and you'll be able to, to pick up on that. All right, so we're, we're gonna get on a train, we're gonna go somewhere, we're gonna do something that we haven't done, just have an adventure. Um, with all your miles, I'm gonna guess that you know some little secrets and, and tips and, and the behind the scene things about Amtrak. So now, this first time traveler that, that we're working with here, what is what are some of the little secrets that you're going to want to tell them? Um, you know, it, do we do we sit in a certain compartment because the air conditioning is always better there, or you know, <laughs> do we you know if you're on this train, you make sure you ask for this waiter, or uh, what's 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 your inside scoop for the, the the novice traveler? Okay, so just talking about long distance trains. For, for you know, for the first sake of conversation, on the superliners, 
Um, if you are a riding coach, uh, you just have to pick up the right, pick the right window so you're not by a, um, uh, a post. Uh, the leg room on a train is better than any first class airplane I've ever taken. And that's especially true. I mean, it's especially true on the long distance trains. If you're riding in a sleeper, um, the roomettes are uh, one through 10 on the upper level and uh, 11 through 14 on the lower level. I like the lower level. I'll tell you why. Because first of all, have you ever taken a shower on a train? Is that something on your bucket list? Well, it's, it's an experience. It's easier to take a shower because the, the shower is downstairs, okay, okay. on a super line. Um, and you, you want to try to specify a room. Just stay away from rooms 9 and 10, which are right okay. at the end of the car, and that's where the door slams oh, back geez, and forth. Sure. Okay. So, but, but if you like, I mean, the lower level I, I really prefer because then – Let's say the train stops at a station and uh, and they say, okay, well, everybody can have a fresh air break. Well, you're right there. You don't have to gather anything up. And I mean, I like to get out and get fresh air at every stop where there's it's long enough to do that. I, I, I don't understand people who just want to stay on the train. Maybe they're, <laughs> you know, used to it. They if a train <laughs> stops and there's time to get off, I will get off. You can sure. count on that. All right. So... Um, Stay away, stay away from the ends of the car, and on those superliners, right. don't overlook the the lower level. I, you know, I think I I kind of get the impression from the times I've ridden, folks have a there's a stigma about that lower level. There, yeah, it's like they're they're missing something. But yeah, you know, I can you everything you say makes perfect sense because you know you get for that break and to have those few extra minutes, especially if you want to get off and you know walk up and down the platform. Yeah, yes. that makes it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of now, sense. Now it's noisier down there, though. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, it's noisier. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're upstairs, you have a, a kind of a higher vantage point. It's a little quieter. Uh, sure. Um, now in the view liner and the single level, I already talked about that. Um, if you you get a roomette, the main thing is to uh, sleep upstairs. If you're traveling by yourself, the attendant may just want to make up the lower berth. Hopefully you can climb up. You have to climb up over by the sink and mm-hmm. uh, they'll show you how to do that. They'll ha- show you how to store your luggage both under the seat and in a little cubby hole up on top. Um, that's what I, I wouldn't ride a view liner now without sleeping on top. It's great. <laughs> you know, but stay me. away from the, I'm sorry, <laughs> stay away from the super liners because uh-huh. they're, it, it, it's just such a narrow, it's like a slab that you have to crawl into. Sure. And and then you get Don't guys like, like me that are approaching 65 who think they can sleep up in the upper berth and it it doesn't work. <laughs> Even after you Well, you're going to have to try it. I mean, <laughs> superliner absolutely not. Yes. But <laughs> view liner, remember they have there's lots of space up there. It's not I mean and again, this is the biggest I Amtrak has begun promoting uh you can travel in a private room. This started really with the COVID-19 pandemic mm-hmm. where they were actually promoting this. But it is so, uh, if you can get into a sleeper, uh, they don't have enough equipment right now, but sure. we won't get into that right now. <laughs> okay. I want to go to the bookshelf here for a second. 
Um, anyway, can we dial in Skycam there, Ben? There we go. And let's see here. Let's zoom out just a hair. There we go. Got a, got a book I pulled off the, the bookshelf, and it goes back um, to 1997, um, written by a gentleman named Joe Vranich. Uh, Mr. Vranich uh, had worked for Amtrak, and in his book, he, he talks at the time, and this is early on in Amtrak history, um, talks a lot about what Amtrak could do differently and how it could have been set up differently and, and really where passenger trains, uh, in his vision, were supposed to go or are, or are supposed to go in our country. And one of the things, Bob, I want to ask you about that Vranich promotes in the book, he, he promotes the idea that the rail system here in the U.S. should be kind of a hub and a spoke. And uh, think about the, the here in the Midwest, Chicago is the hub, lines radiating out to, uh, you know, Milwaukee, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Des Moines, uh, Detroit, Cincinnati, Indianapolis. And, you know, if we're traveling in that distance, um, you know, take one of the, the shorter uh, inner city trains within that hub and spoke. Um, he also advocates, though, that if we're going a longer distance, say we're going to go Chicago to Los Angeles, we should probably fly and convert uh, long distance trains to really kind of a luxury land cruise. And I guess what I wanted to, to ask you about that, because I, I, you know, I've not only seen that in Vranich's book here, but over the past you know, 40, 50 years of Amtrak, that idea seems to crop up in other places from time to time. So I guess, is it, is it valid? Um, you know, where, where should we be heading passenger train-wise here in the U.S.? Today, first of all, let me just tell you that my copy, when I read Derailed, um, I made so many caustic remarks in the margin all over. I don't have that. I don't travel with that book. I don't think I've thrown it away. But really, everything that he was talking about was... Uh, ideological, uh, you know, pie in the sky problems of, of someone who didn't understand the potential of what a U.S. rail system could actually do in linking mobility across the country that doesn't exist for people who don't have cars. Mm, and, okay. uh, and I think this is a real, this is the fallacy of what Joe Vranich was talking about. Now let's talk about the rail crews that's been tried. And in fact, what's happened now with Amtrak management is that with their limited capacity, the higher uh, prices that they are charging, if you, uh, it, it costs uh, over $1,000 to take a roomette across the country, uh, let's say on the Empire Builder from Chicago to uh, Seattle. Um, this is ridiculous, okay? They have equipment sidelined What's, what's bad about that is that if they have limited equipment, they can't cater to this rural to urban mobility market, which if you're making, you know, if you're awake today, you know that that is what's really happening in the last couple of years. And only, there, there are no options for these markets. Joe Vranich can can fly when he wants to fly, sure. but okay. damn it, you better be at the at that uh, near an airport. 
Now, his corridor idea, this hub and spoke, that would work great if we could build, if we had the will to build infrastructure, let's say uh, a prime candidate would be Chicago to Indianapolis, where it is truly high speed, where you were able to do um, the uh, a, a train that would, would average maybe 100, 110 miles an hour. The Northeast Corridor was built for that because it has no highway crossings. Mm -hmm. But right now, Amtrak is trying to do what they call a connects us idea with all this infrastructure money that they've got. So what they want to do is they want to do corridors and they would like to do hub and spoke. The problem with that is that uh, the infrastructure isn't there to do that. <clears throat> What you need between Chicago and Indianapolis, to use that example, is you need frequency and you need speed. Sure. The frequency and speed will depend on the infrastructure, and the infrastructure is right now terrible on that route. It's used by the Cardinal three times a week. The other issue is that uh, what Amtrak is demanding is that states support these short corridors. and. So that means, for example, that if you're going between Chicago and Indianapolis, hey, we're Amtrak, we're not gonna do anything until we get paid by the state. Okay. And the state decided, we're not gonna pay for the Hoosier state anymore, which operated on the days of the week that the Cardinal didn't operate. So I don't, first of all, I don't think that that is a valid um, idea because people don't travel to between airport type endpoints. Um, if you're going sure. to, oh, okay. uh, I mean, like for example, let me give you another example. Chicago to Minneapolis to St. Paul is on the Empire Builder. The state of Wisconsin and the state of Minnesota uh, are uh, going to launch a second train on this Canadian Pacific owned route. And this is going to be it's going to serve these intermediate points as well as the endpoints. Now, it's 400 miles. Uh, the speed is not going to be any different on this second new train, but it will give people an alternative to the Empire Builder. You know, so, so that's the that's the issue. You make a you make a valid point there, Bob, with the that that intermediate stop and the flexibility. Because I think for myself, you know, every time someone has come to me and said, "We're in Wisconsin." should I catch an Amtrak train? And I don't think once I have ever said, oh, Milwaukee's the ideal spot. Um, yeah, I'm sure if you're here in the Milwaukee metro area, great. But I think I've always said, hey, you know, go to Columbus or go to the Wisconsin Dells or, uh, you know, if you're coming east, you know, even consider lacrosse. So, yeah, I think that you, you bring up a very valid point that that flexibility for some of the small towns again uh, gets to the root of where people need transportation. Hey, wanna, well, and, wanna, and let me go ahead. let me just add one more sure. thing, because you mentioned the whole land cruise uh, process. Well, management now is is taking that approach essentially by putting uh, uh, traditional dining car meals back on their overnight trains that run in the West, uh, the Empire Builder, Chicago, Seattle. Uh, Chicago to Emeryville, California on the California Zephyr, the Southwest Chief, 
Chicago to Los Angeles, the Sunset Limited from New Orleans to Los Angeles, and Seattle to Los Angeles on the Coast Starlight. That's it. And for that privilege, you have to buy a sleeping car. If you're in coach, you can't eat in the dining car. That's a problem. Sure. Uh, it doesn't fit their business model. So um, the land cruise has been tried, beginning with the American European Express. Okay. That was back in 1989. And uh, first, it, it they ran regular luxury cars on the back of Amtrak's uh, Capital Limited and uh, the uh, Broadway Limited when it was still running. And so that's been the, that's, that was tried. That became the American Orient Express. It be became Grand Lux Rail Tours and they went bankrupt in 2008. Um, it didn't pan out mm -hmm. uh, okay. for a variety of reasons. Yeah. All right, I, um, by absolutely no powers vested in me by anybody, um, I, I have an opportunity here to to give you a very special appointment, Bob. You are uh, you are now the uh, well, let's call you the special Amtrak advocate <laughs> and improvement officer. Um, we're we're going to get you a nice nameplate for the door. There, there's no no salary or anything extra with this. We'll, we'll get you a good parking spot to go with it, but. Under this, under this title, you, Bob Johnson, everything that you know about Amtrak, everything we've talked about here today, everything you've written about, if you had one thing that you could change or improve about Amtrak today, and no rules, don't worry about the funding, we'll, we'll take care of that later, okay? What, what's, your one, what's your one improvement? What's the one thing that you would change right out of the gate? The one thing I would do right now is to make sure that I hire enough craftsmen who know how to repair and service passenger cars to get more than, I would say there must be over 150 cars that are sitting they're sitting idle right now because Amtrak doesn't want to fix them. There is money to fix these cars. Uh, they are they're claiming well you know we we got rid of uh, we furloughed all these people and then they took other jobs well you have to roll up your sleeves and do that 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 number one thing would help so many issues it would help i mean obviously it's a it's a heavy lift now mm -hmm. because of the steps that amtrak uh took sure. but I, I that is the number one thing and so for that to happen um, management has to recognize that that is a priority. And for that to happen, um, the new, uh, the, there is a, uh, there are some people that are nominated to be on the new Amtrak board of directors. They have to exercise oversight. Uh, and right now, uh, five people have been nominated. They are supposed to be nominated for uh, geographical reasons. Uh, but four of the five are basically Northeast Corridor people. So right now, there is a problem uh, with oversight of management. So, but again, um, for that to happen, the main thing is if, if there were no other constraints, I would change the priorities and get that equipment on the road. Um, this has been, the summer has been a disaster uh, in terms of sellouts high prices, 
Um, there is demand out there on the corridor trains. I was just in uh, Hudson, New York on Sunday, and every train and on the Empire Corridor uh, from Albany to New York was sold out uh, on that particular day. You could not you know, get a seat. If each of those trains had an additional coach, that would be something that they could they could do. And, and so Amtrak's uh, clientele is definitely coming back. They have to invest in the people to get the cars on the road and get those assets that are wasting away right now uh, back on the road. That's what I would do. There we go. Get a few more cars out there, get a few more people on trains. Bob Johnson, our Trains Magazine Amtrak correspondent. Bob, stay, stay with us here. I want to wrap a few things up and then then come back and chat with you for just a second. Let's, uh, let's head over to Mr. Bob's bookshelf as we usually do during the program here. Um, we had mentioned Derailed, a uh, book by Joe Vranich from back in 1979. Um, his ideas of what Amtrak and America's passenger trains should be like. Um, this book is uh, a, an older book, as we discussed, like I said, 1997, but it is uh, library. Go ask your librarian, folks. Um, also, just taking a, a cruise around Amazon, uh, you can still find this in Amazon's uh, bookstore. So if you want a, you know, another look, a different look at America's passenger trains, check out Derailed. Um, also on the bookshelf, My Life with Trains by Jim McClellan. Uh, McClellan had experience with uh, setting up Conrail. Uh, was also instrumental, or not instrumental, but was part of the team that uh, developed some of the early routes that Amtrak would be uh, following. Um, also then worked for um, Norfolk Southern as they and CSX divided Conrail. So Jim McClellan, a uh, story about his life with trains, kind of takes you again behind the scenes and gives you a look at Railroad organization, railroad planning, and Amtrak history, really. What was happening right at that very beginning? And one other book I want to pull off the shelf for you here today. Fred Ash has a, a wonderful story about Chicago Union Station. Um, I don't want to say all, not even virtually all, but a good portion of Amtrak's long-distance trains visit Chicago Union Station and the station has got a ton of history. Movies have been filmed there. Um, they do the Polar Express event there every uh, Christmas. Uh, the commuter trains run in and out. So it is, it's another one of those structures, that architecture that's woven into uh, the history of passenger trains in our country into Chicago as a community. And Fred Ash captures that beautifully. Now, <clears throat> I gotta tell you, the last two here, Mr. McClellan's book and the book about Union Station. Both of those, find those at our Kalmbach Hobby Store, KalmbachHobbiesStore.com. Check in there and take and order those for yourself and read up on some passenger train history with Amtrak. Um, next week, we are going to be back with you. And listen, 
we got a we got an interesting program for you next week. We're reaching out to uh, some folks over in England. We're going to be talking with uh, some of the software engineers from Dovetail Games. They are the ones that do the uh, simulation game uh, Bass Fishing Pro. Okay, we don't want to hear about that. No, you want to hear about their <laughs> other game, uh, Train Sim World 3. The third edition is being released in early September. We're going to step in with these guys and find out one makes what makes them tick. That's probably going to be a little scary, but they have added some new features, um, including weather enhancements to their program, uh, to their game simulator. Uh, they also have a route where you can take a train over the Tehachapi uh, route in California now. Uh, we're going to go behind the curtain and take and uh, see what's going on there. Um, Bob, thanks for joining us today. Enjoy yourself up there in Maine. Um, folks, go on to trains.com, go in the, the search window, uh, search for Bob Johnston or even just Amtrak stories or Amtrak. Guarantee you're going to see uh, some of Bob's uh, features and both his uh, commentary and analysis on our passenger trains here in the country. Bob, pleasure being with you. Enjoy uh, the rest of the time up there in Maine, all right? And, Will do. Uh, very good. All right. And you know what, folks? That is going to wrap it up here for Trains Live today. As I mentioned, we'll be back next week. Hey, make sure you like the Trains Facebook page and uh, shoot us a note if you want. If you have questions that uh, uh, maybe you didn't think of while we were live here today, shoot them and we'll take a look at them uh, in the, the off time here. Do you like what you hear? Listen, check out this episode in video with a Trains.com Unlimited membership. Click the link in the episode notes and watch it today. Oh, wait a minute, not a member? Try our 30-day free trial of Trains.com, the ultimate online portal for anyone who loves trains of any size from any era. Trains.com, it's your home for the most comprehensive routing news and curated video series, articles, photos, and so much more, all about trains.